Okay, here we are. Come on back in, cappers. Oh, I see people drinking coffee out of mugs. Doing our part. Let's toast each other. Let's, let, let's see those mugs. Doing, uh, that's uh, one less paper cup in the uh, landfill, right, Margo? Okay, so good for you. They don't look particularly tacky, but at least, at least it's a mug. All the way from Skeena. Okay, so come on in if you're out in the highways and byways there. Come on back in. And uh, we've got some exciting things going on. First of all, how about Graham and Bill? What a couple of guys, hey? I mean, oh, I'm just so excited. So excited to see those guys uh, just, just living their lives uh, for Jesus. And um, I mean, Bill, uh, what, I wrote it down. How do you describe shalom? God's vision for our neighborhood. Are you kidding me? We, we run around reading theology books and try to figure out what is God really on about? And uh, from the mouth of Bill, he says, shalom is God's vision for our neighborhood. It's so, it, it's, it's so simple. And uh, sometimes people like me can make it complex. <laughs> I did a three-week series back in January on mission, and Bill just uh, rounded it all up for me in about 10 seconds there. So amazing. So we're going to hear from some people today. We're going to do some interviews and uh, a bit of preamble here. I want to reflect back on January, so we, when we did talk about mission, and just uh, share with you some of the things that were uh, sort of uh, churning and rose up to the surface during that time, and uh, just share a few thoughts on mission. The other day I was driving through Burnaby, Boundary Road. There's a church there. Maybe you've seen it. It's called City Lights Church. Drove past it. I happened to notice that on the wall, it says City Lights Church. Not so unusual. But what fascinated me was that in smaller text, just above that, it said, this is the gathering place of City Lights Church. And I thought, that is awesome. Here's a church that recognizes that they are more than what they do on a Sunday morning and really the, the content and the function of really what they're all about is what they're doing beyond that. They're, they're a church scattered. And we're a church scattered. And we're trying to um, understand that more and more and not let the structure of church and Sunday and that rhythm get in the way of the fact that God calls us um, to, to love our neighbors um, because he has a vision for our neighborhood. And so today we're celebrating the church scattered. We have this picture when we leave uh, church every Sunday. It's a picture of this dandelion, right? It's this big puff. And the wind hits it and poof, all of these seeds head out, right? We're, it's a metaphor for us. We're familiar with the, the scattering side of it. But sometimes we forget what is being scattered is a seed. And the content of a seed is DNA. It's this genetic material that reproduces. The point of it is reproduction. And there's something so simple in, in terms of understanding the kingdom values. In Matthew 13, Jesus talks about the mustard seed. 
he had one in his hand and he goes and shows everyone, look at this seed, he's saying. Look at this seed. It's the smallest seed out there. This is what the kingdom is like, he's saying. This is what the kingdom is like. It's humble, small, insignificant. And yet within this is the genetic material for kingdom transformation. And that's the point of the kingdom. And so it's the values that we carry, it's the kingdom values that we live by that have that latent potential to transform people's lives. It's not the size and the scope of your ministry. And certainly we uh, have organizations that we're involved with and groups of people and different groups that maybe make some headlines. And we also have people uh, that do ministry in much more humble and not as noteworthy kind of ways. And, and it doesn't matter. All The whole scope of that is important. But none of it's important if we're not carrying those values of the kingdom because those are the things that replicate and those are the things that multiply. And if we come here and meet without the intention to go and scatter and have this kingdom be contagious, then we're, we haven't come to the fullness and the completion of what God is calling his church to. And so that's what today is about. So we go back to this theme from time to time being who you are, where you are. And the reason that we talk about that really simple message is, is it's because it's about those humble values of the kingdom. God's made you the way you are with the vision with the aptitudes and the desires and everything like that. And so step into that as your place of mission. And, and, and he's given you those things in the place that you are. And so whether it's, you know, Cairo or the Harvest or somewhere else on the North Shore, it's in the place where he's called you to where, where mission happens in that humble way. So uh, back in January, we had this mission discovery session. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we had about 40 people out there. And it was kind of like a bit of a self-assessment. It was almost like putting a big mirror in front of ourselves and saying, hey, who are we? What do we value? What are we on about? What are the things that kind of get us up collectively in the morning sort of as a, as a church, as a congregation? And um, this mission statement says, uh, or purpose statement or some such thing says, we exist to be a people who are attentive to God's faithful presence and to what God is doing so that we can join with him in bringing God's shalom to all the places we inhabit. Okay, so this is what we're up to. We want to bring God's shalom into the neighborhood. That's God's vision for the world, as Bill tells us. But how do we do it? It's, it's this really simple thing where we're attentive to God's faithful presence. So we're not waiting around for, you know, the staff or the elders to say, hey, this is the way forward for us. You know, this is the newest strategy that churches are using now to reach the lost. We're not uh, waiting for a certain program that we're going to roll out. And, and, and that's what's going to cause us to be impactful. But what we're doing is we're recognizing and being attentive to God's faithful presence. So um, I want to just quickly go through some of the things that, some of the things that we did in this mission discovery time, the first thing we asked this question, very simple question, what do you love about our CAP community? And people wrote all kinds of stuff. We did it here. We wrote it on the walls, and people expressed things that they love, inclusiveness, um, 
being known, we're multi-generational, steadfast, all kinds of stuff. Uh, the second one was, what's your neighborhood? So we're getting, uh, us getting people to um, ask that question, okay, God, where specifically have you, have you called me to be? And this was really amazing. And for us uh, in that room, a lot of people um, were surprised uh, at a number of things. And one thing is, truly, we are a scattered church. And I think you could say that of a lot of churches on the North Shore, that we're, we're scattered, we're not cloistered together. Um, but what was really interesting was that there was no stickers right here at Mulgrave, for better or worse. It's not a bad thing or a good thing. I don't know what it is. It's a thing. But we have to recognize it because that's, that's who we are. It's just reflecting back. What are the things that we, um, we, we care about? What are we spending our time doing for the sake of the kingdom? What is the context that you desire to see shalom? So um, is it with uh, the poor? Is it with youth? Is it with uh, your own family? Um, with trafficking of women and children? Um, what, what, what is the thing that kind of gets you um, churning up and you kind of have a passion missionally? So we asked a lot of those questions. The fourth one was give examples of how God is currently at work through cappers. And this was the most encouraging thing is that uh, for not a large church, we had all kinds of things that, uh, that came up. And this is what we're celebrating today. This shows me, shows us, that what we're doing right now is not the main thing. It's important for us to come together here on Sundays, uh, but this is what's going on and, and what we're up to. And so what did we learn about ourselves? Now it's difficult to you know, define this in some kind of a narrow and succinct way, but these are just some things that I kind of, as I read all of this stuff uh, with the staff, we sort of boiled it down to a few things. Um, we're authentic, messy, and we're non-judgmental. Now, I should say that some, all of these things fall somewhere in the spectrum of between reality and perception, right? So these are things that we value and where we are in terms of are, are they, maybe what other people would say might be different. But for better or worse, this is what we value. We're authentic, it's messy, it's non-judgmental. So, so we are a safe place for people to come. We're pilgrim people is the second one. And so we've never been confined to a particular space for very long. And so there's a value in that for us. Um, we're compassionate and generous. We're givers. We're adaptable and open to change. And maybe that partly comes from being a pilgrim people. Uh, but we're open to the movement of the spirit and sensing uh, the spirit moving in our church. And we're scattered on the North Shore uh, which we saw on the map. And also we have a very diverse kingdom focus. There's all kinds of different things that are happening. We're highly relational. So we value people and we value community. It's in our name, CAP Community. Most churches don't actually put that in their name and that's something that we really uh, value. And uh, lastly, grassroots intentionality. And so we're not waiting around for, okay, what's the next program? What's the next thing that's happening? But uh, to use a phrase I like that Andrew Chong uses, we've got our boots on. We're a community that has our boots on. And so we're ready to move out from here. So uh, that's just kind of a, a, an overview. And um, I hope that that is uh, an encouragement to you 
and something to kind of um, feed on a little bit. And, and I think the more that we reflect on who we are and recognize that every church is not the same, but in fact, God has called us uniquely. We are a unique body of people with a particular um, set of values, a particular set of skills and aptitudes, and a particular vision. We don't all agree on what that is necessarily. That's okay. But collectively, we are a particular people. So it's not up to, uh, up to us to blend into what the latest thing is happening amongst churches, but it's up to us to put our sail up to the Spirit and say, God, blow, uh, blow your wind, Holy Spirit, blow your wind um, into us given who we are and what we value. So we're going to celebrate um, these things today. So uh, what I want to do is I'm going to interview a few people. And um, I, Donna, you're going to come up first. And you're going to tell us some stories. And as you come up, I would like to say, there she is. And uh, I, what I'd like to say is I'm going to ask people uh, the same two questions just to make it simple. And um, they might go off base a little bit if I know these uh, four interviewees, but that's okay. But really, this is what I want to do. Um, I want to ask, uh, first of all, um, kind of like what is the CAP connection so that may go back to, like, what, how did this thing originate? But how are we all connected? How do we all kind of have ownership in, in whatever this is? And then the second thing is a story of transformation, a story of shalom, a story of God at work. Um, and so I've, I've given them a terrible challenge of doing this in four minutes. And um, to make matters worse, I think... Uh, I think uh, Kenton has uh, some kind of uh, a uh, alarm that's going to go off. So if that doesn't uh, put fear and trembling into you, uh, can you give us a demonstration, Kenton, of the uh, of the alarm? Wait for it. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Well, no, your clock hasn't started yet, Donna. Okay, you'll know when it comes. Um, so, okay, Donna, so let's get down to business here. Is that on? Let's find out if this is on. Yeah, it looks on. Okay, so Donna, tell us. Um, first question, I already said it. Yeah. Go for so it. So I would have to say that the Seeds of Harvest Project uh, started right here in Cap Church uh, in the heart of a man named David Foster who had a vision to uh, meet the needs of people in distress with a hand up, not a hand out, because that's what helped him the most. And uh, so right from the very beginning, Harvest has been an integral part of, uh, CAP has been an integral part of Harvest Project. Uh, Patty Duclo and Dave Schultz were on the first board of directors. And uh, there's been so many people volunteering at Harvest Project over the years. Uh, I've got a list here that I can't remember, so I'm going to read it. Uh, so while Greg Howard is on our present board of directors, Janet Berg is the longest serving volunteer and she's still working in our admin department part-time. Elizabeth Gladden was one of the original volunteers. Uh, Jamie Mundy heads up our emergency needs volunteers, all from CAP here. And uh, we've got Lynn Moe and Peter Bachman that are doing uh, client care. So all through the years, there's been CAP involvement in staff and volunteering. I'm the client care manager, and Jane Howard uh, is my partner in crime one day a week. 
and together we make a formidable team. So <laughs> we're loving it. It's just, uh, it's just an amazing privilege to serve. But CAP Church has been very strategic in all the years that Harvest has been in, in service to the community, including the very inception. So Fantastic. Thank you. And uh, we also have um, Jan Wilson and uh, Paul Lowen and Yvonne yep. Strilchuk are also working uh, on our EN team too. That's right. So tell us a story now. You have been, you do all sorts of things down there, but lately you've been doing, have this vision about transitional housing. Mm -hmm. um, Emergency housing. Tell us about that a yeah. little bit. Well, I was going to tell you a story about a client. Yeah, I thought, that that's okay? I, I th I thought I was segueing, but maybe I haven't. You're going to take me in another different. direction. Thank this you. Is, this is your awesome. question. I can so you say go more there. if you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so not too long ago, I, had a, I did an intake assessment on a lovely young woman who came to me uh, just despairing. She couldn't stop crying. We sat together for an hour, and I think she cried through the whole time. Uh, because her life had just suddenly fallen apart. She had a, had a good-paying job with benefits uh, and uh, was promoted quite quickly in that organization. And some of her co-workers were jealous, and they went to the uh, supervisor and started telling stories about her. They just made her up, made them up. And she ended up getting fired because, or let go, because they believed these two or three other people instead of her. So she lost her job, and then about the same time, her husband or partner of many years decided to leave the marriage, and so uh, he'd been paying the rent out of his paycheck, and suddenly there was no rent money. He left the rent in arrears, and by the time she came to us, she was probably $3,000 behind in her rent and uh, had no idea where she was going to get it. She'd been working as hard as she could to get part-time jobs, and she was working uh, casual but not enough money to pay the bills at all. And uh, so she was really uncertain about her future, and she was the landlord was threatening to evict her. Uh, and uh, I just listened and cried with her, and at the end of hearing her story, I just said, really, let's just pray together for a miracle, because that was all I could do. I don't have any silver bullet for housing um, or money. So I, uh, we prayed together. I don't think she's a Christian, but she was really grateful. And uh, as she was leaving, I said, okay, we're going to watch God do a miracle. <laughs> and so I went to Jamie, <laughs> my miracle worker, and I said, Jamie, here's the situation. Because Jamie's been um, coming to these uh, pastor's roundtables that I started. We're having another one this coming week to talk about the emergency housing, a strategy for situations like this where people are at risk of homelessness. And uh, this woman also had a, a potential job offer from Lionsgate Hospital. She's a care aide, and there was a good job posting with the decent wage and benefits, and she was waiting to hear from them. And uh, she still hadn't heard, and she still hadn't heard, and they'd say, well, don't give up hope. We had to post it, but, you know, it's still, still there. And so but it hadn't come through in time, and the, the landlord was banging on the door, threatening to change the locks. And so uh, Jamie came to, I don't know who, the missions committee or the finance committee yeah. or some committee. and Came to us, us, church. Yeah, came to our church and, and came back to me with a check for $750, which was amazing. And so I called her, and she was just astounded. And uh, 
Well, tell her you you, you got to write that contract. Yeah, and so I I before I I told her before I get the give you the check, I need you to hallelujah need to I need to uh, get uh, your landlord to write you a letter promising that he won't evict you if we give you the if you give him the money because I didn't want her to give him the check and then he still kicked her out. <laughs> so he did that. And, uh, and so she was able to take that check to him. And uh, the same day she got a call from the hospital offering her the job. And so uh, she totally acknowledges that this was a miracle from God. And I just want to say thank you, Cap Church, because it's those interventions that save people's lives and futures and are part of their transformation and understanding there's a God in heaven who loves them and cares about them. So you guys are amazing, and I'm, I'm so humbled by your generosity and your care. Thanks, Donna. Okay, let's, uh, let's clap. I, I don't even know um, exactly what we're clapping for, but I think it's God, and it's uh, people like Donna, um, you know, who are just faithful. Uh, the extent of what I did was I called Kathy. Someone brought a check to my house. This lady came to my door. I gave her the check, and she cried and hugged me and thanked me profusely. <laughs> and I just feel like I did. I just got to clap and thank, thank God for uh, making all that happen. But it was a really cool story. So look at this. We've got a few, um, we've got a few stories that just we're going to read in between these interviews. So this is some text written by uh, a anonymous capper. For me, I found myself a business owner in my hometown, I asked God, what do I do with this? What is God's heart for me in this situation? I'm naturally a shy person. I believe many others are too. I like to bring opportunity for people to have an excuse to say hi to one another. There's nothing like a foot of snow to bring out the neighborhood to help each other and talk to each other. I feel great joy when I witness neighbors interacting and opening up to each other. Face-to-face communication defeats suspicion, prejudice, and misunderstanding and leads to a healthier community. Being active in associations and working as a group is my method of bringing shalom to the neighborhood. It's messy and imperfect, but I see hope. So Kevin Fall, why don't you come up here? So I asked a few people to uh, answer that question. What is scattering all about? But here's Kevin. There's a mic. Uh, Now, Kevin, first of all, in a couple sentences, Tell us, uh, tell us, um, just give us an over, what's, what is, what is this? The guy hasn't even opened his mouth yet, Kenton. What a, the taskmaster over there. We, we're on the clock. Yeah, just tell us, uh, Creation Matters, what is it, first of all? What's the mandate? And then get into the first question. Okay, so uh, back in June of uh, 2017, last year, we did a, an Arasha retreat, a one-day retreat that is been typical of CAP in the past. Um, And during that day, Kim, Yvonne, and uh, my wife Annie found themselves uh, pulling a few weeds. And uh, like any of you know, in a kind of work environment like that, where there's just enough work, but not enough to keep you from talking, there's sort of an idle banter that goes on that's quite, I find quite compelling, and it's quite unique. Anyways, in that moment, um, some conversations happened And I was reading uh, Kim's email this morning from the original day saying, I don't want to let this moment go by. And out of that Cap Church, Arasha Day, those conversations came. Kim's question, how do we as a community uh, spread shalom in terms of our environmental stewardship? So there's all kinds of bells ringing in my 
head right now in terms of terminology, but that's what she wanted us to explore, and she asked myself, Annie, and Margot to explore this. And the interesting piece is that at that same event, my brother, who was doing a, a little group session on a topic, asked us, charged us, people, the cappers there, said, what does this mean, environmental stewardship, mean to you as a group to do it together? Not per se as individuals, but together. And out of that day, those conversations, and at that same time, we were talking about faithful presence, has a lot to do with place and the connections between caring for our neighbor is great. You cannot separate the neighbor from a place. You cannot separate the humans from the places where they are. Mm. And so shalom, how do we spread shalom through environmental stewardship? For me, I'm like, well, how, could you, how do you separate them? How do you separate uh, the, you know, the place where the, our neighbors live from our care for them? You can't do that. And so the, the question begging was, how do we as a group, as CAP, explore this theme with this particular focus. Let's see where it goes. And that's how we started. Okay, so tell us a story. Tell us a, a people story. Uh, how has is, how is all of this um, come to bear upon people in terms of a God story, in terms of transformation? Sure. Uh, so, well, the story from yesterday. We were on a garden tour. Uh, a number of us came out. It was quite enjoyable. And this is not a transformation as in a big turning moment uh, for anybody. But one of the interesting places we ended up was across the street at Margot's neighbor's place. It was amazing. And mm. I thought to myself, I would never, ever interact with this person. Mm. We as a group would never interact with this person. This person would never interact with us. And now that Margot is his neighbor, more might happen. So that's not a transformation story, but it is a, is a testament to the story you just had up. When you were out and about in your neighborhood doing stuff alongside your neighbors, things happen. And that was an interesting one. Two other stories, uh, an anonymous capper youth from this, uh, uh, a capper from this youth. Um, a recent story for me was this uh, young lad uh, comes to me and says, I'm having trouble uh, with the idea of being a Christian when I care so much about the animals, the world, yeah. the planet, this theme of creation, and I don't see it in my CAP community. Now, that's an indictment that's probably unfair because I think it is present here, but he's young and doesn't see it. But that strikes me. This is not, this is not per se uh, uh, like an, an option. This is a, to somebody like this. When they don't see it, it is this inconsistency that they can't then square. Another person, uh, again, a capper, had the same experience. Uh, we hosted, it's a while back, but we hosted a several session series on Genesis. Ian Proven, a former capper and regent prof, uh, took us through Genesis, which does a lot to frame the creation mandate in Christianity. And this person had a conversion moment throughout that. Um, so, and then my last story, because I'm just going to point at Kim, I got to spend some time with Kim in the last few days. Just ask her about what she discovered in terms of coming to Christianity, a transformation moment, as she studied biology. Sorry if I, I don't, I'm not clear on what your exact degree is, so I don't want to butcher it. But when she starts talking about what she sees in creation as she was exploring biology, the beauty, the diversity, the extravagance, and the superfluousness, 
to explain that with just a few basic scientific, uh, you know, frames is boring. Rather, you would have, we have a, a God that is interested in beauty for the sake of it. So that's a coming, that's a testimony that you might want to ask her about, because um, I'll stop. But those are three stories that relate to the experiences that we would like to try to generate as cappers, not as individuals, also individuals, but individuals together doing things with this theme in mind. Okay, let's give a clap to God for that. And, um, and for Kevin, because that, uh, that was very concise, uh, Kevin. And I know there's a lot of bells going off in your head. That's what we love about you is the bells in your head. And we gotta, you got to just boil down a little piece of that. So uh, praise God for that. And uh, Kenton's going to give me another blurb here. When we scatter, this is another anonymous capper. For me, the challenge and beauty of God's kingdom touches down in my back lane. The good news of the gospel share, uh, sorry, shapes how I interact with the young men who park multiple cars in front of my driveway and then smoke marijuana and vape in front of my kids, or how I respond when a neighbor swears at me for taking his parking spot. Nice. It pushes me out of my comfort zone to invite others in, whether it's to invite them into the basketball game we're playing or to a barbecue. God's kingdom is the most beautiful, astonishing, uncomfortable, and often inconvenient reality I can imagine. Well said. Okay, is Barrett here? Oh, there, there, Barrett. Come on down here, Barrett. Yeah, big uh, rousing ovation for Barrett. He deserves it. Hey, there you go. Because um, I made it. Because you're here. Yeah, yeah that's check. all. Yeah, that's all. We don't expect a lot one. of you. Just show up yeah. once in a while. That's what I do. I know, and you've been busy, right? Because you got Indeed. this camp thing coming up. By the mm -hmm. way, do they still call it um, Daybreak Point, or is it just Anvil? All I ever hear is Anvil. It, technically, it's Daybreak Point Bible Camp. Okay. At Anvil Island, but it's. No one says that, though. Hey? No, negative. Because yeah. that's a mouthful. Like, it is. That's too long. They need a catchy Bible. acronym. Yeah. Like IHOP. Who, by the way, has changed to IHOP. Did you hear that? IHOP. It's International Can House of Burgers. Buzzer? Yeah. I digress. Yeah. Okay. Barrett, mm -hmm. talk to me yes. about um, Anvil. The genesis thereof, yeah. I am not qualified to speak about because I'm only like three or four years into this thing. So right. there are cappers that are way deeper in at Anvil than that. But I think there's a there's a little um, Anvil uh, DNA strand buried in Cap's DNA somewhere. So um, if you go back in the in the annals of time, you'll find there are like there are cappers all the way through there yeah. and at Anvil. So the, the unique thing I guess about Anvil is that you can have a day job um, and be a forty something year old sales guy and take a week off and go do something that's kind of directly missional. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's kind of its uniqueness, or whether it's like your 28-year-old accountant that, that grew up going to camp and still have a heart for that, and, and you can take off your week and come and be a cabin leader or a, or a whatever. So I guess that's kind of, if I think about kind of the genesis of, of Anvil for me would be like a... Um, the Carabetta family, who uh, former cappers who ran and still do run Camp 5, Terry's on the board. Their kids kind of came through being campers, uh, camp rats, pre-campers, uh, on camp, uh, volunteering on camp, and now both of them work on Anvil in the summer, so on the uh, summer staff. So that's kind of a, they're like a textbook kind of connectivity through the whole mm. like length of time. Um, yeah, 
So I, I can't say much more about the, the, the Genesis DNA, but there are a whole bunch of Kappas that are involved with Camp 2, Camp 3. Um, my little slice, our little slice is 9 to 12 year olds, so camp third week of the summer. Um, and this is a good segue to transformational story. Okay, do it. Uh, because I can't, like there are a thousand transformational stories. If you yeah. probably, um, Andrew Chong would be able to tell you some really poignant ones because he's dealing with a, a, a slightly older age demographic, right. so 13 to 16 year yeah. olds. My, my group is 9 to 12 year olds. You can only go so deep with that group. Um, however, I'd say the transformational story would be like me, Dan Thompson, uh, someone else, like other people that have come through camp um, and the fact that they're standing here and they're here. So I, I kind of grew up going to a, a, like a camping thing in Africa, in Zimbabwe, and there were older guys and, and girls that took an interest in me. And as a result, that kept me going through all those like weird teenage years where you can do all sorts of weird stuff. And fast forward, you're here serving God and living a, a, a healthy shalom life. So. I would say that's at camp three, we take a, a long view that, you know, we've got a week with a group of nine to 12 year olds and we, we just want them to come back. We want them to have a good time. We want them to hear the gospel and eventually they'll end up on Andrew's camp and then they'll end up coming back and volunteering as something. And then before you know it, they're 28 year olds healthily involved in their church yeah. and like with marriages and, and children and life and, you know, so... Yeah. That's kind of a transformation. Okay, thanks, Barrett. Let's uh, let's have a hand for God. And um, yeah, what is it about camp and that uh, concentrated experience of being in community? I was really transformed by Anvil back when I was a kid. Um, so we're going to hear from uh, Margot as you make your way down here, Margot. I'm going to read this. When we scatter, the church scattered is an exciting concept. While the church can do much together, I think it can do much more as we live out kingdom values in the many different places and spheres we all find ourselves in and the many different people we touch. Hi, Margot. Hi. Welcome. Apparently I don't get a mic. You hardly need it. <laughs> Your voice is uh, so fantastic and uh, we're quite an intimate crowd, but use it anyway. All right. Welcome back from uh, Africa. Thank you. Have you adjusted? I have, Good. I think. You yes. get on your bike, and that's that's what you got to do with jet lag. You fight it. You push through it, right? That's true. That yes, girl. I was on my bike right away with your wife, actually. Oh, so that's right. Yeah. She helped me push through it. Good. Yes. Well, um, I don't want to waste uh, your my time. Minutes. Your time hasn't okay. started. But oh, my now time it, hasn't. But it's going to start as soon as you answer this question. Tell us, um, give us a, a story kind of a, a Nashisa in terms of CAP connection. Kind of fill in some gaps for us with that. Right. So one of the things that really struck me this year was a comment that was made by several Food for the Hungry Uganda staff that they would not be able to achieve what they achieve in the communities they've gone into without CAP Church. And some of you may think go automatically to the financial component of that, um, but I heard very clearly this time that it's way beyond financial, and the much more critical thing is the re relational component. So the longevity of our relationship with Food for the Hungry Uganda is beneficial to the communities in terms of affirming that 
what we, many, many people in the community would say, oh, you know, you spend all this money on these tickets and you take all these planes and you come such a far distance from your families and you risk everything to come here. And that affirms God's love for Nishisa, God's love of the poor, and God's love for us. Um, and so I just wanted to say thank you to all of the many people, mm. many cappers who have gone before me um, on this journey. And, and also a, an advanced thank you to all of the many cappers who will go ahead of me um, or beyond me. Um, what we do there is incredibly meaningful and um, appreciated. And it's not, it's never taken as a sense of entitlement by them. It is, we are received with a warm welcome and gratitude for all of our sacrifices that we make for them. That's good. So when you showed up there uh, the first time, which was two years ago, right? It sounds like. Last year. Yeah, last year. So it sounds like you showed up. Uh, it was already a moving relationship in a way, and you just kind of amazing. Yes, it was indeed. So tell us a story of transformation. Right. So this is a transformation within me. Um, so I, I, I guess back in 2004, I started my first sponsor child payment through Cap Church um, to a child in Bufukla. And I faithfully made my payments every month, um, but I wasn't the best at writing. Um, so at the end of uh, the 10 years that we had been there, we, I received a letter from David O. Wafula, um, who was my sponsor child, and it was this beautiful letter of gratitude for changing the direction in his life. And I just felt this overwhelming sense of sadness and emptiness that I had failed him mm. in terms of, of making a relationship with him and, and the opportunity to write to him and encourage him and be faithfully present to him. And so I vowed to do better with my new sponsor children and I was writing uh, more often and then I did my visit last year. Um, but I don't think that I truly and just really realized the impact that those letters and photos had until this year when I was visiting my sponsor child, Gerald. And his mother said that when he's sad or discouraged or frustrated, he goes in and he takes out the letters and the photos that I've sent to him and my children have sent to him. And he has a little conversation with us. Mm. And... Um, he just reads through them, and she said, the mom said, it makes him happy. <laughs> so if that doesn't make you teary-eyed and, and compel you to write, <laughs> um, at the end of the visit, I said to Gerald, do you, have any, <laughs> do you have any questions for my sons? And he just very sh shyly, because, you know, they are very shy, Yes, I have a question. Do I make you and Avery and Mason happy? Hmm. So, um, I guess for me, 
that just reinforces that that is God's vision for us, is to encourage us to make each other happy across cultures and borders and challenges, and that we would come together under his kingdom in a united purpose. Mm. Thanks, Margot. We appreciate, um, let's clap for, uh, <laughs> give, uh, give God a hand for that. And, um, and uh, for, all, uh, for all of our Nashisa team, um, for their courage and sacrifice uh, to go. And for all of you who have gone through the years. And we're going to hear more from um, our Nashisa team in Sundays to come. And so um, I'm going to read this, and as I do, we're going to have the worship band uh, come up, and we're going to respond. Um, we're going to respond to God and some of the things that we've heard and the things that are stirring up inside of us. So here's one more. In the morning, I went for tea with an atheist friend, and they talked about how God can't possibly be real. I mostly listened and also added a few of my convictions, I got a text at lunchtime from a parent about loving their transgender child, and we messaged back and forth. In the afternoon, I tried to extend as much kindness as I could to youth at our drop-in, even though there were negative vibes in the air. And in the evening, the girl cutting my hair wondered aloud about coincidences versus God's orchestration. And so we chatted. And, oh, we've got another one here. And... Uh, for me, being the church scattered means trying to live by God's kingdom principles in my everyday life and relationships. Practically, this includes being hospitable, making time to interact with my neighbors. It means being non-judgmental and compassionate with the mums I work with and loving and patient with their kids. I long to be shalom into their homes. That's beautiful. Um, so let's worship together. Uh, is it possible we can get this uh, lifted? I don't know who is the... Uh, lifter of the screen. There it goes. <laughs> 